how many churches have missions? Tons of churches. How many churches' missions do you know? You've been a part of a lot of churches. I don't know what the answer to that is, but probably not a lot. You know Round Rocks, guess why? Because we were smart enough to know that we're dumb enough to forget anything more than two words. I still remember the one we almost went with, and I remember that I don't remember it. That concision makes it memorable, which makes it portable, which makes it replicatable, right? And then if you do your job as a leader of filling it with meaning again and again and again, now that's that becomes, you know, like a, 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 a contagious sort of thing. Next up, On Mission with Justin and Jennifer Gerhardt on The Avenue for Faith. Last week, I introduced you to Justin and Jennifer Gerhardt, who spent 10 years of their life serving the Round Rock community in Austin, Texas. The mission of their church was called Live Love. It was so memorable, I asked them, tell me, how were you able to get everybody on board and on mission? One of the things, one of the big things, I'll just go specifically real quick and then we can zoom back out. One of the big things was um, helping people to understand what it was like to need to be loved in that in that context, right? So if it's big church that we're talking about and we got to be welcoming to visitors, or if it's Bible class that we're talking about and we got to be welcoming to uh, to other people or to newer folks in the room or to, to somebody who's a guest, um, nothing goes further in a practical way toward getting people down the road uh, in terms of being more welcoming. Nothing goes further faster than um, helping them see the situation through the eye as of a new person that that we worked on again and again and again and again um and you know like if you ever bring anybody to church or you bring anybody to bible class that's not a part of your church not a part of your bible class especially who isn't a uh like a a christian but even if they are a christian they're just not a part of your church um you bring them to your church and you will see things that you never saw before you will hear things that you never saw before because you will be seeing and hearing everything through the eyes and the ears of this new person. And when they're not welcomed, you notice it. When somebody doesn't make eye contact, you notice it. When they can't find the bathroom and it's, it immediately becomes obvious to you that no one could know where the bathroom was unless they'd been here seven times. Um, they, like that sort of, um, being able to get outside of yourself and see things through the eyes of a new person was huge for us, um, in helping us to, um, to, to maintain postures that were welcoming to new people. Um, we had to learn what it was like for them before we could do much good for them. What would be something that you would say along those lines? So I think as as you think about trying to get people on board for a mission, right? You you decide this is the direction we need to go. Let's all go there. Um, in that sentence, right? This is the direction we need to go. You need to evaluate the people you're bringing and make sure they're up to the task. Um, they may not be there yet, but they need to at least want to get on the boat. 
Um, and so I think for Round Rock, one of the things we did, and this is this just is is the hard truth of it. Um, you had to make the boat uncomfortable for people who shouldn't be on it. But we had people who we needed to reach who weren't in the room yet. And it was going to take that mission to get to them. Right. Those are people who really needed Jesus. Um, so I think one is you have to recognize that if you're on a mission, not everyone's going to want to go. That's when the bus pulls out of the station with like something on the LED sign that says like, this is where we're headed. And then you realize it's going that you're actually headed there. That's when you get off if that's not where you want to go. Otherwise, a bunch of weirdos and, you know, like people going all kinds of places could sit on the bus for who knows how long at the station, right? Like once stuff starts happening and there's a clarion call toward mission and you start prioritizing and then making sacrifices of other things, then people start dropping off. But you got to have that mentality before you start going somewhere. Otherwise, you start freaking out when when a few people leave. Uh, you got to have that. What was it? Brendan Manning, who told the story of uh, the two pastors who were talking. And one of them was like, we had a great revival at our church this weekend. And the other was like, oh, man, how many did you gain? He said, none. We lost 300. <laughs> you know, like sometimes a little pruning uh, makes the planet come alive, right? But what will happen uh, is that the people who are left will be people who who are on mission. And if the mission is making things welcoming for people who are outsiders, which is what you're talking about, they're the people, right? I think who you're wanting to welcome. I mean, we can welcome each other, you know, insider one who's been here 40 years and insider two who's been here 22 years. Uh, yeah, be nice to each other. That's that's part of the Jesus way. But if we're talking about welcoming outsiders, uh, that means that at times in in an effort to make things welcoming and comfortable for them, they will feel uncomfortable for us. The first people to pitch a fit when we start uh, at Round Rock, when we started uh, aligning things in the direction of outsiders were some of our insiders, right? Uh, because they didn't care that the money was spent that way because it wasn't a need for them. Um, they didn't understand why every person who got up had to like to, to do communion comments, had to explain what to do with the bread and what to do with the juice. How many years have we been in church? We know what to do with the bread and we know what to do with the juice. And I'm like, who is we? Like, let me tell you about the lady who came last week. She sat on the second row. The plate got to her. She didn't know what to do with it. She was freaking out. Probably had a Catholic background because she was in awe that we even passed it to her. She didn't think she'd be able to take it because she wasn't a part of our church. She takes the bread and the cup, but the bread she takes is the whole bread. She just takes the whole <laughs> bread because there was one in there and there was one of her and, that's what and they it did. made that's sense cool. to her, right? Yeah. Like, and, and she didn't know, like th that's happening all the time. Even in the most insider centric churches, some outsider makes it through the cracks every once in a while. But if you start turning your church in the direction of outsiders, now there's going to be all kinds of them there and you've got to act like they're actually there. But that means you're going to have to sit through one more explanation of where second John is in the Bible and who in the world John was in the first place. 
So another thing I would say there, right? Okay, so yes, some people won't get on the boat, but you can help most of the people get on the boat by compellingly casting the vision, right? It's a good vision and and you you cast it well and you help people understand why this matters. Most people want to get on board um, and you can help them. I think one of the, the biggest things is that making sure that you... Um, give voice to the people who've already been living this mission. So um, I noticed a big change in our elders in those first three or four years where we took this. Um, And it was just that like a couple of them just weren't really on board with it. And they felt that and they felt like it was a good mission, but not a a mission for them to lead. And they've left. Um, And we ended up with, and what we have now are nine elders who are huge on board with this um, because they're the elders that were shaped by this culture, right? This is the church they've been in for the last eight, nine years. Um, and so they're huge advocates of it. And when they get up and they do the blessing at the end of church, they never forget to say, go and live love because that matters to them because it's, it's important to them. And so the people you put up to pray, the people you put up in leadership positions, the people who teach Bible classes, the people who have any kind of leadership positions need to be people who are bought into the mission. And when people hear those people talk, then it helps them. And you create so much dissonance and tension when the people up front aren't bought in to the mission. Um, it, it really is hard for the body, whether it's a Bible class or, or a church, um, it's really hard for them to like get a clear message. It's like, oh, is live love just Justin's thing? Because, you know, my Bible class teacher doesn't seem to think that's important. Uh, And so if there's dissonance there, it's really hard for people to get on board. Thank you, guys. So once you do have your team formed and you have that core and they're excited, how do you make sure you stay on the same page, giving the same message? Yeah, one of the things, Nathan, that we uh, were uh, really focused on from the beginning, and this wasn't any genius stroke of, of mine, I had seen this done in some places uh, exceedingly well and, and was just, uh, you know, uh, willing to learn from it, uh, was focusing on language. If you're talking about like a bunch of people doing the same thing, valuing the same priorities, uh, behaving the same way, aligning in the same direction. Um, one of the keys to that group alignment is shared language. Language is the way we communicate. We even think half the time in words, right? And so being able to craft language um, that, that made a box that we could put vision into Right. And, it, and at, at times it was crafting language that was a box that we, we could put strategy into. But it was a box uh, that had handles. Right. And that people could carry around. How many churches have missions? Tons of churches. How many churches missions do you know? You've been a part of a lot of churches. I don't know what the answer to that is, but probably not a lot. You know, Round Rocks. Guess why? Because we were smart enough to know that we're dumb enough to forget anything more than two words. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so that language. I still remember the one we almost went with. And I remember that I don't remember it. Like I would stumble over it every time. And it just never came right. Yeah. We kept, we kept, apparently, kept like coming down. And I was, you know, like, we're like, it's too many words. 
coming down. It's too many words coming down. It's too many words. It's three words. I think it's still too many words. Can we get it down to two? Right. Like, and, and that, that, um, that concision, right? Like um, having a phrasing that's that concise makes it memorable, which makes it portable, which makes it replicatable, right? And then if you do your job as a leader of filling it with meaning again and again and again, now you've got something that multiple people are saying that is affecting because when they say it, now you filled it with meaning and it means the same thing to all these people again and again. Now, that's that becomes, you know, like a, 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 a contagious sort of thing. Uh, and that makes it to where um, live love is not Justin's thing. Uh, live love is our thing. And I know that because I'm a part of this church and this church lives love. I know because I heard Ron say it. I know because I heard Stacy say it. I know because I heard Eric say it and I heard uh, Katie say it and I heard Suzanne say it and she's only 12 and she had it on her locker at school. And, and that was all in the last seven days, right? Like that, that language focus, I think was one of the things that, um, that just sort of practically enabled, um, this to this to be more than just a, a one-off thing or a um, something that belonged to one individual. It, it was, it was uh, something that transcended the borders of uh, a sermon or a person. And then the last thing I'd throw on there would be that we made sure not to just say to live love, but to show, right? Don't just tell, but show. And so, so much part of both Justin's preaching and what later became our storytelling ministry were stories of people living love so that you could see that that looks different for everybody. Here's an example of what it looks like for this person in this situation. Here's an example of what it looks like for this person in this situation. And so now we're doing what Justin just said. We're showing all these people who are bought in. So everybody's like, Oh, this is our thing. But then also we're just putting, um, we're putting a picture with it. Right. So it, right. now it becomes just easier to understand and touch and imagine. Um, and I, so I think the stories are really effective. Right. Too. Being able to point instead of talk often like is the key to effective communication, right? And so, uh, so if we uh, were going to do fall festival, right, and it was this big community outreach event that that we wanted to invite people from the community and give families a safe place to celebrate Halloween on our campus and get to know our church, and it was just us serving them and being good neighbors, um, and we did so we would do that, and then we would do a video recapping that, and at the end of that video. Sharefest 2018, love lived. Those are the last words that everybody sees before the recap fades to black. If it's uh, Sharefest and it's some big, it's like a, it's a thing that we did every April. It's like a big garage sale where everything's nicer and everything's free that we do for the community around us. Um, we figure out, okay, like, how are we going to help people understand that this is, this is what we're talking about when we're talking about loving people. Um, okay. So then so the it's tag in the line, announcement too, right? Like it's in the announcement. Hey, come live love. Like this is an opportunity for you to live love. Right. And then it's also in the recap. Video. Even in the, and on the banner, like it says share fest, live love, share stuff. 
right? With a colon, right? Here's how you live love. You share stuff. So you're just pointing to like, this is how you live love. This is how you live love. This is what love looks like in its fullness. And the live part is, is that love is happening all of the time in all kinds of contexts, right? So it's not love as a hobby. It's love as a lifestyle. And so, um, the, these are the various manifestations of of love, but but being able to like have that language and then and then fill it with meaning again and again through words and just by pointing your finger at the various actions that individuals or the church at large was taking uh, was was really helpful in establishing that culture. It's been great spending time with both of you again. Uh, Jennifer, you were a storytelling minister for five years. That's a fantastic title. H- how do you describe yourself? I'm a writer and Bible teacher. That's what I tell people. Yeah. I'm a writer and Bible teacher. And you can find her writing and Bible teaching on her website, jlgerhart.com. Justin, you preached for 10 years at the Round Rock Church of Christ, and now? And Justin is the host of the podcast, Holy Ghost Stories. Yeah, so the creator and host of uh, the podcast, Holy Ghost Stories, that starts Monday. It's going to be super fun. And one of the uh, sort of foundational uh, premises, I think, of uh, this podcast and my approach to it is um, me saying to people, you love the Bible, and I'm going to prove it to you in 25 minutes. Well, it's been great spending time with you. Same. It's been so really fun to see, see you, smiling you, face. Really good to see you. Justin and Jennifer will join us again on a later podcast. So excited to have them with us. In our next podcast, we're going to build on some of the insights presented here, but add so much more as we talk about how to create the kind of atmosphere that brings people in, holds their attention, gives them Jesus, helps them grow, and sends them out for discipleship. Next up, attractive, creating a welcoming, healthy atmosphere for expected growth. Thank you for joining us on The Avenue for Faith. Thanks for joining. No one has ever loved you like Jesus Christ. I hope you feel that love in every sermon that's preached on this podcast. You can find more sermons, transcripts, study guides at nathanguide.com. Please stay tuned for another lesson and rest in the love of Christ.